batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway with great food made by the neighborhood for the neighborhood, so make sure you guys all get to Coach's. This episode, we're going to talk about the 2020 season that has hit the quarter mark for some teams, the third mark for some more and some teams have only played about five games, but to break down all the action thus far, I bring on the AL expert, Bobby Fiorante. Thanks for coming on the show, Robert. And pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me to break this season down so far. Yeah, and, and we'll start right where we are. The quarter mark for most teams, somewhere around you know 15 games in this 60-game season. Some teams, I believe, like the Atlanta Braves, have played 19 games, which is almost a third of their season. And then you've got the teams that have suffered some outbreaks. The Cardinals still have only played five games. The Marlins only have played 11. Um, but I, I just want to throw out there winning percentage-wise, which is probably how we are ultimately going to side the standings this year, the Cubs are the best team in baseball at 11-3 and with a 786 winning percentage. Yeah, they've been playing some great baseball. Um, even after that little uh, break they had from not playing the Cardinals, they got right back on there yesterday and uh, played some good baseball. They've been playing great so far. Yeah, they beat the Indians last night 7-1. to And the Indians are a team in your division. Let's take a look at the AL Central right now. Twins leading the way at 11-7. and Followed by the surprising Detroit Tigers at 9-6. and Indians at 10-8. and And just a game behind the Indians are your White Sox at 9-9, nine and nine, and then the Royals taking up the rear at 7-11. and 11. What do you think about the White Sox and the AL Central this season? Yeah, so the White Sox have missed some opportunities. They've lost two great starts by Keuchel, the last two starts, um, one against the Brewers and Friday or Monday against the Tigers. Um, two great starts. They just couldn't hit for either start. He got on them a little bit. I don't know if you heard those comments. Um, Monday night he got on him. He's like, we, we, uh, I didn't look like we wanted to play today. And then the next day they came out and scored four in the first inning. So I think as a leader, um, he'll get the boys back and rolling. But yeah, like you said, the Tigers, our, our division is usually a weak division this year so far. We got four teams at or above 500. Um, it's one of the better divisions so far. And, and like you said, those Tigers bolstered their bullpen and um, their lineup. So I, I, they might be here to stay if they get some starting pitching. Um, hopefully not, though. Hopefully um, they fall off a little bit. But so far, it's been a really good division. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, here to stay only means here for 60 games. Because in, right. norm, in a normal season, you know, the Tigers starting 9-6 and six wouldn't be a big deal to anybody. But this is essentially like them going through a quarter of the season above 500. Through 15 games, this is um, a quarter of this season. They're 9-6, and six, which is a great start for the Tigers and as you look around the MLB, there have been some surprising teams. You look at the Orioles, they're 8-7. and seven. The Tigers are 9-6. and six. You flip over to the National League, you've got the Marlins leading the NL East, which is the, supposed to be the toughest division in baseball. They're at 7-4. and four. The Rockies and the Padres are both over 10 wins. Rockies 12-5 and five, ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West. So, you know, a lot of the teams that are expected to be pretty bad haven't been. Yeah, and I think a huge part of that is knowing that you only have to be good for 60 games. 
Um, I think the Orioles came into this. If there was 162, they'd probably be out of it by now. But they just have another pep in their step, thinking if we get on a little run here, win 10 out of 15, they're right there in the playoff picture. And the one thing I wanted to bring up to you is I think that's going to hurt the trade deadline because not a lot of teams are going to want to trade guys when they're right in the thick of it, like the Orioles or the Marlins. They're not going to want to trade any arms or any bats. Yeah, I mean, usually when you look at a season, there's probably, you know, there's, um, what is it, five teams in each division? I mean, each league. Right, yep. So five and five, you got ten teams and probably about another, I don't know, two or three, maybe four in each league hunting. So that's about 18 of the 30 teams looking to add at the deadline. This season, 16 teams make the playoffs. Think another four or five looking in. That's 25, 26 teams trying to make the playoffs. And I think it comes down to the fact that all these different teams are trying to get in. It'll make it a lot more exciting. Trade deadline, like we said, might not be as intense because so many teams might be looking to add And the only team that I think is a full-blown seller right now is the Pittsburgh Pirates. But for the most part, it's going to be a really exciting stretch run. You know, teams might look very similar to how they do right now, aside from a few things. And some teams might not even want to trade their guys in the middle of a pandemic. But, you know, it comes down to the fact that a lot of teams are going to be in the playoff run. And I think only the Pirates are, are pretty much out of it right now. It's definitely only the Pirates. Um, they're the only team that I would say right now knows they're not going to get into this expanded playoff, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, the Pirates, terrible start. 3-13, and 13, uh, 188 winning percentage. They're already nine games back of the Cubs. Um, they've had a really rough start to this season, and I think that's been pretty expected. They're one of the teams that were expected to be bad, and of the teams that have been expected to be bad, um, they're the only ones that really have been, which has been kind of interesting. And you, you look at the flip side, some teams that are expected to be good that really haven't been this year. Both the Phillies and the Mets have been struggling in that NL East. Phillies at 5-7, and seven, Mets at 7-11. and 11. Um, You know, you were on the, the, the train that the Red Sox would not be good. They haven't been. They're 6-11 and 11 in that AL East. Um, and then in the West... The Angels and Astros are both below 500 by a pretty good margin, and the A's are cleaning up in that division. So, you know, there's there's been a little bit of unexpected things this season, but, I mean, 2020 as a whole has been fairly unexpected, so I don't think all of, not too much of it is all out of the question. Yeah, definitely not. Have you seen, um, speaking of the Phillies, did you see their bullpen so far? 35 innings, 60 hits, and 40 earned runs in 35 innings. Sheesh. They've been, they've been real bad. Um, the Nationals have been real bad. Uh, not, I mean, not brutal, but they have not been good either. I didn't expect them to be good. Um, but like you said, there's there's a lot of teams. that. But I'm sure the Phillies and them, they still think they got a shot, and they do still have a shot if they can get it going right. But with a bullpen like that, there's just not much you can do. And the Cubs have not had a great bullpen so far either, but they've made it work. Yeah, they've managed. You take a look at the NL Central. Cubs are actually the only team above 500. They're 11 and three. Uh, the Reds, right after them, eight and nine. Brewers at seven and eight. And then the Cardinals have only played five games. They sit in fourth place at two and three. Pirates three and 13, pulling up the rear. But for me, I did you hear the the fact about the Marlins? They're they've played eleven games now. They're seven and four. But through their first nine games, they had nine different starting pitchers. 
Um, that is that's crazy. Which is I did not hear that. The first time that has ever happened. A team's first nine games have nine different starting pitchers. It's not like they were trying out the opener. They no. just had to to change about fifty percent of their roster three games into the season. Right, and they've made it work. And they have made it work. Leading the NL East seven and four. The Braves have more wins, but also more losses. They're eleven and eight. Um, you think the Marlins can uh, turn it around, hang on a little bit? I love. I would love to see the Marlins hang on, but I just i I don't think I see it happening. Um, with all those young players, those young arms, those guys are just pulling out of nowhere. I think it's a it's a fun story, and I think it's working right now. But I would be surprised if they keep it up. Although two teams in each division, they could be the second team in there because nobody else is taking that right now. Yeah, they very well could be. Um, and they are one of the teams that had suffered an out- outbreak. The other one is still ongoing in the St. Louis Cardinals locker room. So, Bob, I want to ask you, what do you think baseball could have done better to prevent these outbreaks? I think the protocols set in place have been fairly good. Um, now they have, they've added a new position for somebody to essentially police the protocols. Um, but the bottom line is, for me, the players have to adhere to them. And in both of those situations, I think the Marlins went, went to a club and the Cardinals had a few players go to a casino and, and caught it and brought it back. That's what the contact tracing um, seems to be. The Indians had a few players go out after their series in Chicago. So far, none of them have gotten it, but they've suspended Zach Plesak and, and Mike Clevenger, to name a few. Do you think it's just a matter of the players adhering to the protocols, or is there something baseball could have done to prevent some of this? Yeah, I don't think um, at the beginning of the year the players were I, no, that's not true. I don't think some of the players were all set on the protocols and taking care of themselves and really being worried about others. But when you have, like, the Cardinals and the Marlins did not do what the Indians did a couple of days ago. They didn't send players away. They didn't um, punish them. And I think now you're going to get everybody punishing and everybody um, really adhering to those protocols. And I think because MLB wasn't and the individual teams weren't strict about that, strict enough about that to begin with i think that's why you had outbreaks um but i think now the guys get it and i think you're not going to see another outbreak like that if in my opinion um and what was encouraging to me um i don't know if you caught this but just randomly nick markakis came back so he must be happy with the protocols if you're having guys who opted out originally come back they must see something in the protocols that they don't think there's going to be an outbreak in their locker room it's all about trusting your guys not to go out and adhere to the protocols, and you need to trust your guys. And so far, that hasn't really been the case for a few teams, but I think moving forward it will be. Yeah, um, for, for you Cubs fans listening, um, the Cubs have been one of the best teams at you know, policing their own locker room and having these protocols so much so that the league has actually reached out to, to Theo and David Ross and asked, what are you doing? Why is this working so well? The Cubs are the only team since testing started to not have a player or coach test positive. Um, knock on wood there. Obviously, that, that's something that, um, if they could keep up, would be great. Probably one of the keys to making it through the playoffs. But the Cubs have done a really good job thus far at, at managing this whole thing. Everybody has been safe. You um, Darvish was somebody who was very scared of the virus, even in spring training initially back in February and March. And he came to summer camp skeptical he didn't know if he was going to opt out or stay in and once he saw how serious the Cubs were handling it he decided to stay in so that's one of those things like you said Nick Marcakis it's it's encouraging that these guys feel safe 
Now we just need all 30 teams to feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Indians set a great precedent um, by doing that. They should send the guys home. They should get punished for doing that because you're putting not only yourselves at risk, but everybody on your team and everybody you play and just everybody in the league. You're putting the league in jeopardy to shut down by doing something like that. So Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we've seen this work in the NBA and in the NHL with a bubble Obviously, you know, we talked about this, I believe, on one of our earlier episodes, that it'd be way too hard to get 30 players of all 30 teams because they're doing the playoffs. It's much less players, much less, um, much less teams. But So I propose this idea to you, and I don't know how feasible it would have done, but since all the teams are only playing their counterpart division and their own division in the AL and the NL, why don't they do or why couldn't they have done three bubbles, one in, say, you know, Arizona or California, somewhere out west, uh, one in, in Midwest, maybe Chicago, maybe, you know, Milwaukee, uh, some, somewhere in the Midwest, and then on the East Coast, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, something like that. Maybe that could have worked to have three separate bubbles since these teams are only playing each other. Um, I know the family aspect would be a little challenging because it's for a much longer time than the NBA or the NHL would do, but that could have potentially worked. Yeah, from the onset, um, MLB players, and I don't I don't know, a lot of people around the MLB did not want to do a bubble at all. Um, from the beginning of talks, from the beginning of everything, a lot of people were opposed to a bubble. I think it could have worked if you would, could have found, like, because a bubble, you're not traveling. So I think if you could have found five fields at each place, because if you're playing um, your division or the other division, there's still five games in each bubble on each day. And I think that could have been tough. But, like, obviously, if you play in a sp- around spring training areas, there's a lot of fields over there. Um, in the Midwest, I'm not sure where you would have played. But I think the idea of it could have worked. But I don't think the players wanted to leave their families. Um, I think they're happy with what ended up happening, um, despite, obviously, they're not happy with the outbreaks. But I think maybe it could have worked, but it's just not what they wanted. Yeah, and, and even when you think about the outbreaks in St. Louis, that's still... I believe they said 0.9% of the league testing positive with the Cardinals that got it. And aside from the Cardinals that tested positive, there was not a single other player or coach on any other team that had tested positive. So once the Cardinals get this thing managed and kind of continue to scare everybody straight, I'm thinking the MLB should be in the clear. Do you think so? I do think so. I think everybody's uh, this far, what are we like, probably three, four weeks into the season here. I think people are much, much better about it. And what would you say to, let's say the Cardinals only ended up playing 45 games, 50 games, and they just did it by winning percentage. How would you feel about that you if mean, they get into the playoffs? Playoff seeding by w- winning percentage? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what you're going to have to do because it's going to be really difficult to have the Cardinals play 55 games in 44 days starting on Friday. That's a nearly impossible task. I guess that's the whole point of expanding the rosters, but that's just way too much. They're going to have to be playing, I don't know, seven, eight double headers. Right. I, I think that. So you would have uh, no problem with them having higher winner percentage in less games than, let's say, a third place team. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think MLB very soon is going to have to declare something, and I think it's got to be something on along the lines of like. Um, Playoff seating will be decided by winning percentage, but to be eligible for the playoffs, you have to play, say, 40 games or something yeah, like I, that. Yeah, right. Because, like, if the Cardinals end the season at, like, 11 and 10, they shouldn't get in the playoffs over a team that's, you know, 
33 and whatever, 30 and 30, you know? Right. Because that team played and won much, much more games. So I think there's got to be a bar that is set, and I think Manfred has to act quickly unless he plans on having the Cardinals play 55 games in 44 days. That's yeah, going to be nearly have, impossible. If they have any other slip-ups at all, you could wrap it up. They're not getting anything in. But I think if this is it, if they start back on Friday against the White Sox like they're supposed to, I think they can do it as best as they can. Um, I think they'd be in that 45, 50, maybe 55 range total. Um, and I think that would be okay. But any other slip-ups, and that's it for them. Yeah, let's say maybe the benchmark is 45, three-fourths of your season you have to play to be eligible for the playoffs. I'd think that would work. I wouldn't be mad about that. And then the MLB has also tossed around the idea of a postseason bubble um, just for those uh, 16 teams, probably an AL1 and an NL1, and then they'll meet in the middle somewhere. What do you think of that idea to keep the playoff teams, playoff players safe during the course of that run? I love that idea. I'm all in on that one because you don't have as many teams. You have eight teams in a bubble there. And if you have an outbreak in the playoffs, your whole playoffs is messed up. You cannot shut down the playoffs in October for a week or whatever you would need. You just can't do that. Um, so I, I'm all in on that to keep everybody safe and to keep the games going. And speaking of the playoffs, let's take a look at the current playoff picture in the National League and the American League. You look around the National League, which is where we'll start. The Marlins leading the East and the Braves in second place. They'd get in. The Cubs leading the Central and the Reds in second place, they'd both get in. And then the Rockies, Dodgers, and Padres, who are all... The Rockies would get in, and then the Dodgers and Padres are tied. The tiebreaker would probably go to the Dodgers, because I believe they've beaten the Padres uh, more thus far. And then the Padres would be one of the wild card teams. And then the other wild card team would be the Brewers in the National League Central. That would leave... Two teams getting in below 500, which in this season could be a possibility. But I think for the most part, those are a lot of the teams we expected. Maybe a different team in the East besides the Marlins and a different team in the West besides the Rockies. But I've been all over the Padres. I think the Dodgers are the best team in the, in the National League. Cubs look great and the Braves I expected as well. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much basically what a lot of people thought. I think there's a lot of good pitching in those series. Look, at, you don't want to play the Reds in a three game series with that pitching staff. Yeah, you um, got you're going to get Trevor Bauer, Bauer, Sony Gray, um, Sony Gray. So yeah, you don't want to play them. Um, Chris Paddock's good for the Padres. He'd be tough in a game one. Um, the Cubs' starting rotation has been incredible so far. Um, even the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, What's his face? Adrian Hauser's been good. They, there's a lot of good starting pitching over there. Yeah, and then you you look at the AL. It's been a pretty much more towards the chalk. Um, the Yankees and Rays leading the AL East first and second. Um, the Twins leading the AL Central, which was fairly expected. But the second and third being Tigers and Indians. A lot of people thought the White Sox would be up there. It's still early. They could be. And then, the, then in the West... The A's leading the way at 12-6, and six, and then the next four teams all have seven wins, but the, t- the Rangers have nine losses, Astros 10, Angels 11, and Mariners 12. So that will kind of sort itself out as we go along. If it ended today, Yankees and Rays come out of the East, Twins and Tigers come out of the Central, A's and Rangers come out of the West, and then the Indians and the Orioles make the playoffs as the wild card with the Sox the next team outside looking in. I don't necessarily think it'll stay that way. Some of it has been expected. 
I expect the White Sox to turn it around a little bit. Uh, teams like the Tigers and Orioles to fall off a tiny bit. And somebody from the West, whether it's the Astros or the Angels, to emerge as the true number two in that division. Yeah, I think you got um, your top three teams in each of the three divisions. Any way you shape it are going to get in the playoffs. The Yankees are getting in, the A's are going to get in, and the Twins are going to get in. Right. Whether they, uh, yeah, So, and I think um, the next five teams to get in could mix and match. Um, absolutely could mix and match. The Astros, I didn't expect them to do too well, but they have not been playing good baseball at all. Um, it's funny, they so can't hit. Yeah, they, they have not. But that, that second place in that division is up for grabs completely. Yeah. Besides maybe, I don't I don't see the Mariners getting in there, but besides that, I, I it could be anybody. So it's it's going to come down to the wire in both leagues, I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. And before we let you go, Bob, and let you, the fans, go, I just want to get your opinions on some of the new rules in place. The universal DH, the three batter minimum, the seven-inning double headers, um, which has just recently been signed off on. I want you to talk about some of the COVID-19 protocols and the fact that there's 16 teams playoffs. I'll go first. I've loved the DH this far. I think in a season where you really want to protect guys, not having pitchers bat is a great idea. But I also think it might be here to stay, which would not be the worst thing in the world for me. I think the three batter minimum, I don't really like it at all. I think at least there should be an exemption for the ninth inning because you get a guy like Kimbrell, you know he doesn't have it on the first batter. And if you have to watch that guy walk the bases loaded I, I, another time, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that at all. Um, seven inning doubleheaders I originally hated, but I think, you know, in the case of the Cardinals and some other teams that really have to squeeze some, game in, some games in, I think it makes sense. Um, and I love the, the protocols that have been put in place, but it doesn't seem like a lot of teams have been following them. I've seen a lot of high fives, uh, the occasional lick the finger, spitting. I feel like the pitchers have been really good about it, but, uh, you know, big hits, home runs, you see a lot of high fives. And the playoff field being larger in a shorter season, I think it, it'll make for some exciting baseball. But like you said, could complicate the trade deadline a little bit. Yeah, so for me, the universal DH is here to stay, in my opinion. I don't think we'll ever see it go away. That's just me. Um, I think it's getting a lot of good reviews around baseball, um, and I think people like it around the game. I think you got a lot of teams, and then it, it opens up the trade deadline, too. You have um, an extra 15 teams looking for an Edwin Encarnacion or someone like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so you got the Josh three Fegley. minimum. Yeah, the three bet. Josh The three better minimum. Um, in my opinion, I was a fan of it only because I know it'll speed up the game. And I don't really care about the speed of the game, but I know it'll get more people watching. Um, but right now, I don't really like it too much because in the biggest thing for me is if you have a guy who was out there the night before and let's say through 20 pitches and the manager just wants him to, he's a lefty, just wants him for one out, you can't use him for one out anymore. You have to use him for three. So I think it'll shut down guys for the next day more than it would in previous years. And you won't just get that great matchup of a lefty against a Yelich or a Juan Soto in the playoffs like you've gotten in years past. Um, and the seven-inning doubleheaders, I don't love it. Um, it's not my favorite thing, but there's nothing else, in my opinion, that you can do. Um, I think with the teams going down with the Marlins and the, and the Cardinals, that's all you can do. You need something to get these games in, and I think that's the only way to do it. Um, and then for the... Did you talk about runners starting on second? Oh, I forgot to even mention that one. Oh, you could go first on that one. I uh, Runners starting on second base in the extra innings, 
I love it. I think it makes it really exciting. But I like that that is not an aspect that's continuing into the playoffs. I think the DH is three better minimum, I'm pretty sure, is going into the playoffs as well. Obviously, there's no doubleheaders in the uh, playoffs. But I think the fact that th- this is more of a trial run and something to get, you know, speed it up a little bit so these pitchers aren't, you know, Steve Ciszek arm hanging all the time. But um, I'm glad that it's not in the playoffs because it's not true baseball. Yeah, runner on second for me, I've been watching extra inning games, just even on the bottom of the screen, if you watch them, they're flying. Like, people are scoring in the 10th, um, and even if they tied after the 10th, it's usually not going too far. So it's working in that way, and I know that's the only reason they did it is because they don't want to keep these teams on the field for six hours and 16 innings. But at the same time, it's hard to get a leadoff guy on second base in the MLB. You have great bullpens out there, and it just changes the. It completely changes the game. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's something that I know. I forgot who said it. Maybe it was Bauer. He talks a lot. It was somebody on the Reds, or someone around there did not like the rule. Said like it's hard to, to get a guy on second against our team. Or maybe Clevenger said it for the Indians. Um, and it is. He's right. Um, but in the way that they wanted it to work, it's worked really well. Um, and so for the protocols, I think um, teams are, like I said before, I think they're perfectly fine now. I think they're working, and I think MLB's done a great job working on the fly with those protocols mm-hmm. and talking to other teams and um, making it work the best they can this year without a bubble. And I think so far it's worked well. Yeah, and in regards to the 16-team playoff, you're a fan of that as well? I am a fan of that, especially in a shortened season because you're getting teams that maybe – didn't start off great that should be in the playoffs and they're going to be in the playoffs so you're really going to get a full postseason and I think that helps with not putting an asterisk at the end of the season because there's more teams in there yeah I agree with that 100% let's hope the Cubs can keep their hot start going tonight against the Cleveland Indians and let's hope the White Sox for you can turn it around and find their way into the postseason who are they playing today uh, they're playing right now they uh, had an early start against the Tigers two to one in the end of the first Alrighty, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you all for listening. As always, you can catch this episode, past episodes, and future episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.